G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. First, Easter was so incredibly unfair. Jesus, the innocent man, was crucified, and Barabbas, the man guilty of murder, walked off scot-free. If you were God, would you have done things that way? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today is maybe the most important message in this series, the price he paid for you. As we look at a powerful hidden secret, a message in the Easter story that speaks about the terrible injustice and the incredible love of Easter. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free booklet that I'd love to send you called The Shocking Truth About You, Me and Barabbas to help us wrap our hearts around the power of the Easter message. It's interesting how when Easter passes us by eventually, we kind of quickly forget it, we move on. It was a long weekend, it was a great time to have off and have a rest, have some chocolate. It comes, we eat chocolate, we have the long weekend, it goes, that's it, we move on, back to work, back to school, back to the empty house, whatever it is we do day after day. And this week on the program, and in fact, over the coming three weeks, we're going to dwell in Easter for a bit longer than just a long weekend. We're going to tarry and stay there a little bit longer. And today's program is the first message in a series that I've called The Price He Paid For You. And as well as talking about Easter over the Easter period, we're going to do the unthinkable and spend the next few weeks after Easter doing it as well. Can you believe that? Because it's a big thing, this Easter thing. Not not as a religious holiday. I mean, I don't mean that. I, for one, am definitely not into religion, and it just doesn't work for me. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about this big thing that God was up to at Easter, the thing that Jesus went through, the suffering, the persecution, the beating, the rejection, and that death on a cross. You and I are so incredibly special to God, which is what makes you and me worth dying for. He's handcrafted us, he's made us, he's set us free in this amazing universe, always loving us, but with the freedom he gave us a free will to accept him or reject him. And when it comes right down to this, according to God, he made us, he loves us, he gave us free will, and the point of all of that was for us to know him and have this fantastic relationship with him here and now and for all eternity. But it doesn't matter which way we cut it, each one of us in our own way, we've rejected him. I know I have, more often than we can ever imagine or count or recall. And in doing that, we miss the whole point, the whole point of creation, the whole point of life, the plan and the desire of God's heart. When we turned our backs on God, and we all have, we miss the whole point of life. That's exactly what the Greek word for sin actually means. It means to miss the mark, or as we might say today, to miss the point. I know when I use the word sin, people often write in or call and they say, come on, this is some kind of old fuddy-duddy concept. Get with it, Bernie. Get into today. Sin just isn't relevant. It's something that priests and ministers talked about in the 1950s. Get with it. It's old-fashioned. 
Yeah, I know. I know that some people think of sin in that way, but let's come back to Easter and the central point, the central problem of all creation is that we rejected God. We, we turned our backs on him. It's hard to come to grips with. People say, well, I'm not a bad person. I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But let me ask you, from the moment you were old enough, did you put God first? Was God always first in your life? Did, did you live your life as though you belonged to him? And the answer for all of us is no, we didn't. We, we've all done things. We've all turned away in our own way, in different ways. We've all turned our backs on God. And at that cross, at a time that we now call Easter, and we celebrate and we remember, on that cross, God calls us home. The consequences, what we should have paid for rejecting him, were paid for by his son Jesus. He died to give us a new life. Okay, God calls us to a life of sacrifice. God calls us to a life of giving. He gives us a fresh new life, a wholesome life with real joy. And because out of his great love, he reached out to us through Jesus. He opens the door to a real and dynamic and exciting and beautiful and wondrous relationship with God. At the heart of the message of Easter is the fact that Jesus paid the price of my sin and of your sin, of our rejection of God, of our missing the whole point of creation, and the fact that Jesus paid the price seems unfair, don't you think? Let's have a read. We're going to go to the Bible. If you have one, grab it. We're going to open up at John chapter 18, beginning at verse 38, and we're going to read through to chapter 19, verse 16. Here it is. What is truth, Pontius Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against this Jesus, but it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted, No, not him, give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him and again and again and again saying, Hail the king of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! But Pontius Pilate answered, You take him, you crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. But the Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. And when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to have Jesus set free. But the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat him down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement. It was the day of the preparation of the Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Pretty amazing story. We're going to take a look at it after this break. 
Anthony Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. I'd just like to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. The central message of Easter that Jesus died and rose again to save you and me is something that all too sadly we seem to skim over all too quickly, just this one time every year. And yet tucked away in this thing we call Easter is a shocking truth that's meant to turn our lives upside down 365 days of the year. And that's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet, The Shocking Truth About You, Me and Barabbas. It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you live in the abundant life that Jesus purchased for you on that cross and through that empty tomb. To request your free copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and I'll send you a free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now, injustice is something we all hate, especially when we're on the wrong end of it. But even when you see someone else wrongly accused, wrongly convicted, wrongly punished, it offends us so deeply because it's just plain wrong. That's that's why we're going to dive even deeper into the offensive story of injustice that lies at the heart of Easter. Because until we get that, we can't begin to understand the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, that was quite a mock trial, wasn't it? Not much regard for the rules of evidence, if if indeed there were any rules of evidence way back then. A good friend of mine by the name of Paul is a magistrate. Now, the more I get to know him, the more I realise how gifted Paul is to do that job. I've got to tell you, I'd hate to have to sit in judgment. This one goes free, this one gets locked up, and to make things even more difficult, he's a magistrate in the children's court. Now, Paul has this really balanced thing happening in his outlook. He weighs this against that in almost everything he does. I was saying to someone else recently that when I look at Paul, what I see is someone that I'm really comfortable with being a magistrate. I'm really glad that this guy is on the bench in the children's court because he's absolutely the right person to be doing it. When you look at this story of the crowd and and Pontius Pilate and Barabbas and Jesus and this angry, ugly mob... I see some of that in Pilate. When the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, and Jesus had been talking to him about the truth, he says, what is truth? And he goes out to the mob and he says, look, I have looked into this man and I find no case against him, this Jesus. See, he wasn't swayed initially in his judgment by the religious leaders who, frankly, they just wanted Jesus dead because Jesus was threatening them. Jesus was going to the people and making sense to them and healing them and caring for them and loving them and standing up for them. That's why the religious leaders wanted him dead. That's how poison that whole rule-based religion thing had become. Now, you see, Pilate wasn't swayed by the same things that whipped up that mob and all the way through this scene, over and over again. Pontius Pilate finds Jesus not guilty. In verse 38, he says, look, I find no basis for a charge against him. Again, in verse 4 of chapter 19 of the next chapter, once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. 
verse 6 of chapter 19. You take him, you crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. And then again down in verse 12, from then on Pontius Pilate tried to have Jesus set free. See, he was a man who was fairly objective and he found no guilt in Jesus the Christ. Of course, there's a marked difference between my friend Paul and Pontius Pilate in that ultimately Pilate was a weak man and he gave in to the crowd. He never changes his judgment, mind you, but based on this tradition, he just rolls over because of this angry mob and ultimately he said, look, now look at the life of Jesus, this man who healed people and who reached out to them and who cared for them, who taught them stuff about life that made sense. Of course he's innocent. Innocent of everything except the fact that his goodness, his genuineness, stood out in sharp contrast to the manipulation and the deceit of the religious leaders of the day. He threatened their power base. That's why they wanted him dead. Now, the other player in this game is Barabbas. Barabbas is an interesting character. His name literally means son, which is what Bar means, of the father, Abba, Bar Abba, son of the father, Barabbas. Now, we'll come back to that a little later. But he's a criminal. John tells us there in verse 40 that he'd taken part in a rebellion. If you go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verse 16, Matthew calls him a notorious criminal. So it was well known that this man was a crook. In Mark, chapter 15, verse 7, and Luke, chapter 23, verse 19, they both tell us that Barabbas committed murder as a part of an insurrection. So here we have it. A well-known, notorious criminal, a murderer Barabbas versus Jesus Christ, superstar. This Jesus with rock star status who healed the lame and the sick and the blind and, and stood up for the oppressed and the needs of the people against all of those religious rules and all that manipulation, he exposed religious hypocrisy of those leaders. Huge crowds followed him. They listened to him. They saw him heal countless people. They saw miracles. Those same crowds, just a few days before, on the day we now call Palm Sunday, when Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, they threw down palm leaves. They were shouting praises, literally calling him King of the Jews, their Messiah, their Saviour. And yet now, just a few days later, whipped up by the religious leaders, manipulated by them again, here they are baying for his blood. Crucify him. What a brutal response. No wonder politicians say that the opinion polls are fickle. There's a great saying, a week is a long time in politics. And it was certainly true then, as it is now. Look at it again. When they're given a choice, they say, we want Barabbas, we want Barabbas. And of Jesus, crucify him. When Pilate asked them about Jesus, they said, crucify him. And ultimately, Pontius Pilate went against his own impartial judgment. He was weak, he was afraid of the crowd, he had Jesus beaten, he had him handed over to be crucified. Wait for it. Instead of Barabbas, who got set free. Do you get it? It's a switch, it's a substitution that's going on here. Barabbas, the son of the father, was the murderer. He should have gone to the cross, but instead he was set free and the innocent Jesus was crucified in his place. And here's what God's saying to us through what happened. Jesus is the son of God and the son of man. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God said that of Jesus. Jesus was also a man. He often referred to himself as the Son of Man. He was human. He was God in the flesh. He was perfect, without spot or blemish. Ask Pilate. He was totally innocent. The Son of God, Jesus. The Son of the Father. The Son of Dad, Barabbas. God is a loving Dad. There's a radical concept here introduced by Jesus. The Jews didn't refer to God as Dad, but Jesus called him Abba, Dad. 
And this man, Barabbas, Barabbas, son of dad, is the one who gets set free. It's the swap over. It's the substitution. The son of God and the son of God. Both with the same name, Jesus and Barabbas. The innocent is substituted for the guilty. Jesus went to the cross for Barabbas. Barabbas deserved it, but Jesus wore it. Barabbas was the murderer, but Jesus was killed. Barabbas was the one who hurt people, and yet Jesus suffered in his place. Barabbas, the son of the father, was guilty and he went free. Jesus, the son of the father, was innocent and he went to the cross. And who judged him? Not Pilate. Pilate wasn't the one that sent him to the cross. It was the angry mob, the religious leaders, the very people whom he came to set free, whom he loved, whom he healed, whom he taught. They were the ones that turned against him. They were the ones who had Jesus crucified. So what does that mean for you and for me here and now? I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on one 300 722 415. So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. So we've seen the injustice perpetrated against Jesus, but there was another player on the scene that day, Barabbas. Who exactly is he? And what were they doing there? Let me ask you something. Who is Barabbas? There was Pontius Pilate, there was Jesus, there was Barabbas, and then there was the angry mob in this story. To the angry mob, Barabbas was just that criminal and murderer, and it was the Passover festival. The Passover is the celebration of when God was releasing his people out of slavery in Egypt centuries before, and he sent ten plagues on Egypt, on Pharaoh, and the final plague was the death of of the firstborn of all the Egyptians, from Pharaoh's son through to a slave's son, right through to the firstborn of all the animals. And yet, here was the nation of Israel, captive as slaves in Egypt. And God said to them, look, get a lamb, kill it, take its blood, smear it on the top of your door, and the angel of death will pass over your house, and you won't suffer that death, that death in the in the tenth plague. It was only visited on the Egyptians, but not on God's people. And the way in which God's angel passed them over was by seeing the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And so there was this tradition where the Roman governor at the Passover festival all these years later would release one criminal to the people. And this year, that criminal was going to be Barabbas. 
someone who'd been part of an insurgency and an uprising, someone who'd killed multiple people. I mean, the, the worst sort of all criminals possible is who Barabbas was. Bar Abba, son of the father, one of God's children. You see, you and I are Barabbas in this story. I said before that attitudes to sin vary enormously in our society, and so many people see sin as an outdated concept. But the whole point of creation was for us to have a relationship with God and to give glory to God. And in our free will, we rejected him, just as Barabbas rejected God, just as Barabbas went out and sinned. And when we did that, we missed the point. And that's what God calls sin. It's conspicuous. You can't hide it. We're all guilty of that. And the wages of sin is death. See, God is wondrous and perfect and holy and awesome and a loving God. And it's hard to imagine love and judgment in one person. Yet my friend Paul, the magistrate, I was talking about him earlier. Paul is a really fair and compassionate man. He's a great husband. He's a wonderful father. But he's also just. I look at him and it gives me some understanding of how those things fit together in God's nature. And his love, instead of letting you and me pay the price in his love, God sends Jesus, his son, to die in my place. Now, you and I might say, look, I'm no Barabbas. I I haven't killed people. I, I haven't done all these horrible things. Point is, the moment we turn our back on God, the moment we reject him, the moment we do one thing wrong, because God is holy, pure, perfect, clean, the moment we sin, we deserve death. That's what God's word tells us. The wages of sin is death. And yet, when we put our faith in this Jesus, this Jesus who died on our behalf, we're forgiven. You too are one of the sons and daughters of Abba, Dad, God. We too are loved by him, and we too can put our faith in Jesus and believe with our hearts and with our heads that on this very first Easter, on that cross, Jesus paid the price of our sin. And when we believe in him, we have complete forgiveness, finally Pilate handed him over to be crucified, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to a place of the skull, which in Aramaic is known as Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle, and Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened it to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priest of the Jews protested to Pilate, don't write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered them, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes off. They divided them amongst them in four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in a single piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said. Let's decide by lot who gets it. This happened so that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which said they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. 
when he'd received a drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That's the price. The price that Jesus paid for you and for me and Barabbas. And and as much as we here in the 21st century might have a cultural problem with the notion of sin, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change God. It doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change why God created us. It doesn't change the reality that you and I both have fallen short of the glory of God. You and I both have rejected God. And it doesn't change the reality that he loves us so much that he sent his one and only son. So many people in our society have this nagging sense of guilt, this nagging sense of inadequacy, this this deep-down sense that they're not good enough. And the reason is that we aren't good enough. And God comes to us through the cross of Jesus Christ and cries out to us and says, I love you. You you are my Barabbas. You are my child. I love you. I sent my son to pay the price. Look at my son. Look at the cross. Put your faith in him and you can have eternal life, a new life, a fresh life, a life that begins now, a life with me that goes on forever. When we believe in Jesus... We have the forgiveness that Jesus purchased. When we believe the door is flung open into a deep relationship with God, when we believe we have eternal life, we do. Anybody, the worst criminal, you, me, even, had he believed, Barabbas. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I'd like to share with you. Over these coming weeks, this program, Christianity Works, is going to be encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. After all, Easter is a time when hearts are open to receive this amazingly good news. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the Ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift today of just $35 can touch around 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called The Shocking Truth About You, Me, and Barabbas. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again, same time next week, with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.